wanted to start with a question this morning. What wrecks you? I mean, what puts you in the ditch faster than anything? I don't know about you, but it's kind of like when my kids were younger. Lisa had a job where she was out of town like two nights a week, three weeks a month. Luckily, my children did make it through that period of time, fed and alive. But Lisa would come home, and she'd say to me, they're saying it again, Doug. I go, what are they saying? I'm like trying to think of all the things they did wrong. They say, Mom, Dad's wandering around the house aimlessly. He's doing it again, Dad, uh, Mom. Dad's walking around the house like he got his head in his pocket. Because when Lisa was gone, I was sideways. I, 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 like, I'd find myself just walking up and down the hallway and like lost. The things that, that puts me in the ditch faster than anything is something sideways with my wife, or not even sideways, she's just not present. What brings the greatest joy in your life? I guarantee it's probably a person. When my kids were little, I'd come home from work just like anybody else, kind of drawn out and tired and worn out. And here's my middle kid. She's this high, and you can plug in a city, and she could light it. She is lit. She comes around the corner. You have to be prepared if you are close to Elise. Comes around the corner. She goes, Dad, sometimes without the dad, and runs and barrels into you. And, and then you pick her up, and she squeezes you so hard you can't breathe. And all the troubles disappear. The passage we are looking at has lots of different themes. As you will see, we are starting in the Proverbs proper. Chapter 10 and on is where Solomon gets into these pithy little statements about wisdom. And I thought I'd do Tom a favor and not read the whole chapter. But many of the verses we are going to cover in the passage that he did read. As we start, I would like to, to pray. Will you join me? Heavenly Father, I want to repeat what Pastor Logan prayed. That we would hear from you and that I would get out of the way. I know I have the speaking to do but I pray it would be your words. Everything not of you, just remove, Lord. We want to hear from you, and we want your spirit to make alive the scriptures in this passage in Proverbs 11. We ask this because we can, in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to talk a little bit about Proverbs 11. Proverbs 11 jumped out to me because it talks about the righteous. And the righteous, in particular in this chapter, means that you're in right relationship. It's a lot about the horizontal relationship, but it's not just about that. As Pastor Logan had said, Proverbs can be divided into either 
following Lady Wisdom, like Rick alluded to, or Lady Folly. And it's very similar in this passage. The right relationship with people is wisdom, we'll see. And the, when we're acting in folly, we will hurt our relationship and act in crookedness or wickedness when it comes to other people. I want to talk today about what the righteousness in people, the righteous promote. I want to take a minute or two to talk also about on being righteous, the righteous person. And finally, I want to talk about the theme of the fruit of righteousness. We won't cover every verse in Proverbs 11, but we will cover the ones that promote the concept of living righteously. So first of all, the righteous promotes. There's a number of things of the way the righteous lives, and they promote, they do things because they are righteous. First of all, they promote good. Verse 27, look at that. It says, whoever diligently seeks uh, good seeks favor, but the evil comes to him who search for it. My brothers, when we were younger, used to have a saying they were so fond of. They said, if you're looking for trouble, a drainville will give it to you. Uh, not this drainville. I was unlike my brothers. They loved to stop fish with their face. <laughs> if you're seeking good, you're seeking smartness. You're, you're seeking favor. How do they seek favor? In a couple ways. First of all, in business, look at these verses. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. Living honestly and treating the customer properly is a delight to the Lord. When we cheat in business, we are cheating not just people that are customers, but they are God's children. God loves when we treat his children right because whether they are living right or not, they are made in the image of God and God loves them. Verse 18, a wicked earns deceptive ways, but the one who sows righteousness gets a sure reward. If you're an employee, you give a good day for a, a good pay, good day's work for a day's pay. But yet the, the unrighteous are okay with getting wages that they didn't really work for. And when you're damaging other people, a business owner or a boss or a company, it dishonors God. Look at verse 26. The people curse one who holds back grain, but a blessing is on the head of him who sells it. Some people hold their products when people need them because it's more profitable. But the righteous sell what people need. It's not just all about the gain. It's about helping people. They promote good in business, but they also generally promote good by being generous. Verse 24 says, one gives freely, yet grow all the richer. Another withholds what he should give, and only suffers want. Have you ever noticed that generous people seem to be okay financially? 
Whereas a stingy person seems to always be struggling in their finances. And it may be more of an attitude thing than a bank account thing. But they promote good. The second thing they promote is blessing. Verse 25 says, Whoever brings a blessing is enriched, and one who waters, uh, and one who waters himself will be watered. There's no contrast here. People who speak blessing are blessed themselves. It's like drinking a cold glass of water when you're parched. That does nothing but good. Hydrates you, feels good. Blessing out there does something good in you. But the motivation is out there. Proverbs 18, 21. The death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat of its fruits. No matter what you're giving out, if you're a person that blesses other people, your words are, are uplifting and kind, that will come back to you. If you are critical and putting people down and harmful in your words, you will eat of that fruit as well. How do we bless people? We bless with our words. We have a good friend named John. He lives in Tacoma. He's a pastor. And he runs a, a ministry for homeless people. Now it's a standalone church, but at the time, he was at uh, another church, and this was kind of like a campus. And there was some conflict within the church. And John, if you met him, you would think, boy, he's an overly positive person. In all the years, and I've known him 10, maybe 12 years, I have never heard him say a disparaging word about anybody. In the middle of this conflict, he said, I said, John, how do you feel? You know, I mean, the thing... Things were said wrong about him and accused of things that he didn't do. Some of his leaders were seemingly being unsupportive of him. I said, John, how are you doing? He goes, well, maybe the Lord is using this to cause me to be more like Jesus. Really? You know what I, I would want to say? I can't say because I'm talking about blessing. Not a word negative about any situation. And I've been in a lot of situations with John, and every time he comes out saying something positive. You just want to be around John because he's a man that makes you feel like, wow, there's a God in heaven. And I must be somebody important. The righteous bring a blessing. Verse 17 tells us that they bring kindness. A man who is kind benefits himself. A cruel man hurts himself. It's this fruit thing. You pursue kindness. You pursue wisdom. You're benefiting yourself. A cruel person ultimately has nothing but cruelty come at them, right? Don't misunderstand and translate kindness with niceness. 
Nice people are a bore. I'm sorry if you're nice. I just realized that came out. Can't take it back. Kind people look like nice people in that they're uplifting. They look like nice people because they say nice things. They don't say, if you're kind, you're boring. Stuff like that. They say nice stuff. But kindness is like a steel hand and a velvet glove. There's strength there. The kind person seeks to do what's best and acts what's best for that person. So they don't always say the nice thing. They don't always avoid the conflict. If your son or daughter is disrespectful to you, are you doing them any favors by letting it slide? I don't think so. If an employee isn't following the rules and is not being productive, is it kind to let that behavior go? No. In a nice way, bosses should correct people. Parents should correct and lead their children. They're looking for the best and acting on it. The righteous are kind in all of their relationships. Driving down the road, the righteous person, when cut off, as the Bible say, when cutteth off it, on thy road. The kind person says something like, wow, I hope that person gets there on time. <laughs> yeah. We are not the kindest people in the world, I can tell. Oh, you know, say a little prayer for them. Man, they might be going to an emergency. Say a little prayer for them. God, help their driving. That would be my kind of prayer. Brings kindness. And look at this, verse 20. The righteous promotes God's delight. I don't know what makes you think about when you say God's delight. The being who spoke the heavens into existence, who flung galaxies by his word, can find delight on one little blue planet in the corner of this um, universe because we treat his children right. That's awesome. Look at the scripture. It says this. Those of crooked heart are an abomination to the Lord, but those of blameless ways are his, what? Delight. The people who are crooked in relationships, they're, they're damaging to people. They're, they're tricksters. They're, they're not just not liked by God. They're abominations. He's really, really, really upset about it. But those who seek the best and are blameless in their relationships puts a smile on God's face. So I want to spend a minute now and talk about on being the righteous person. If I followed you around, would I see these behaviors in you? Or would you see them in me? 
that I'm kind and that I'm generous and that I promote right and good in my business practices, that I am always uplifting and blameless in my relationships. My words are a blessing. Would we find that in your life and in my life? Now, if we had the ability to hear your thoughts, would we find you to be righteous in all your relationships? Or, like me, I know you wouldn't. I, I would like to think that I would be that way, but I know you wouldn't. In fact, this morning, I was praying with my wife. And I had a critical thought that came up, and I wanted to make a wisecrack to her. I'm praying. I'm in the very presence of holiness. And I'm praying, I'm thinking, these people are knuckleheads. I didn't say it. But the Lord said, oh, you're talking about blamelessness in relationships. I have a problem with my own sermon. And maybe you do too. Here's the problem. The Bible's pretty clear, Old Testament and New, that this is true, Romans 3.10. As it is written, putting, pointing back to the Old Testament, none is righteous, no, not one. So whether you are deluded in thinking you are righteous, you are not, like I am not. Quoting Psalm 14 and 53. So even in the Old Testament, they knew when they were listening to these Proverbs, they knew that they weren't there. Because none of us are. And as we read the Scripture, especially as we read the law and we read the truth of the Old Testament, it just proves to us that we are not able to do what it's asking us to do. But thanks be to God, there is a solution. Also, out of quoting out of the Old Testament, Romans 4 says, verse 3, for what does the Scripture say? Again, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Thank God for that. Can I have an, an amen? In Abraham, in the beginning of the Bible, in Genesis, where Abraham's story is spoken of, it's before the law, before the nation of Israel is even formed, before anything, God sets the standard and says, it is faith by which the righteous will be righteous, not their behavior. Though the righteous do these things, they can't really without faith. And to clarify even further what the New Testament teaches as Paul is making the case out of Romans 3, verse 21, he says, Now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, though the law and the prophets bear witness to it, 
the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus for all who believe. Amen? For there is no distinction. Next verse goes on to remind us again that we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It is through faith in Jesus Christ that we have the ability to be righteous. We have the opportunity because we have to get one relationship right, the one with the righteous one, before righteousness can grow in our horizontal relationship. It is that vertical relationship with Jesus that has to be right before any righteousness can flow in and out of us. So when we think about being righteous, we think about being in Christ. But once we are, and we allow the power of God to come into our life and his righteousness to begin to be exposed through, we bear some fruit. So the righteous bear fruit. Things happen in their life that would not otherwise happen. First of all, the, the fruit of the righteousness guides them. Verse 3 and 5. It says that the integrity of an upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. It allows people in relationship to continue to go in the right direction. Verse 5 says, The righteousness of the blameless keeps his way straight, but the wicked falls by his own wickedness. Are you getting the pattern? God blesses the righteous in relationship and guides them away from the trouble that the wicked go headlong into. It bears the fruit, and it, it delivers them. In verses 6 and 8, the, righteous of, the righteousness of the upright delivers them, but the treacherous are taken captive by their own lust. Verse 8, the righteous is delivered from trouble, and the wicked walks into it instead. The guidance of righteousness helps us avoid walking into the pits that so many people who are not righteous walk into. Have you ever had the fruit of walking in headlong into something that you go, I knew I shouldn't have been there. How did I find myself here? We don't all do it perfectly, but we'll see the righteous person avoids these kinds of pitfalls that happen time and time again for people who do not live this way. The righteous bear fruit as blessings to others. Look at this, verse 10 and 11. When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices, and when the wicked perish, there are shouts of gladness. By blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. By the mouth of the wicked, it is overthrown. Literally, in this day, cities would fall because of wicked people. Wicked people would betray their brothers and sisters. Literally. I'm not sure today we would want to rejoice when wicked people die. But sometimes it was them or us kind of thing. 
We don't need to go to the ancient world to figure out that when the righteous people begin to flourish, a community flourishes. When we live right, we bless people around us, even people we may not even know. Thank God for our elected officials in Chowchilla. They're not perfect people, but they are seeking to live righteously. We are blessed because of that. Not only will we bless people we may not even know, look at verse 21. If the righteous bless their own children. Be assured, an evil man, evil person will not go unpunished, but the offspring of the righteous will be delivered. Have you ever noticed righteous parents seem to raise righteous children? They seem to make choices that are different. They seem to find themselves in in relationships that are blessed. They don't seem to find themselves in trouble. I was not modeled a righteous lifestyle. My dad told us my mom died when I was little. A man, mad dad told me by his lifestyle, this is how bad you can be. Here, you get a swinging at you. Get the belt, get in trouble. I just get old enough, I pop you in the head. But you can go this far. That's okay. And he would teach us stuff like, well, blood's thicker than water. So if your brother's in a fight, go get in a fight. And they were always in a fight. So I was a little confused on the righteousness thing. But when I became a believer, I began to see the example of Jesus who lived right when everyone else lived wrong, who loved and blessed when he was nailed to a cross. He forgave people as they were killing him. And though... I wouldn't want you to follow me around or be in my head. I now have a perfect example of righteous living. His name's Jesus. The righteous bless their children by the guidance of their own righteousness. And the last verse I want to share is verse 19. Bears the fruit of life. Whoever is steadfast in righteousness will live, but he who pursues evil will die sometimes literally. But to live a life of righteousness in relationship is life, is wholeness, is I can lay my head down on my pillow and sleep because I have right relationship. Because what sends us in the ditch faster than anything is righteousness that is absent from my relationship. Closer the person, the faster comes the ditch. So as I wrap it up, I wanted to share one last verse about getting it right. We're going to be right in relationship. How do we get it right? There's a scripture at the end. I think it is the theme of chapter 11 of Proverbs. It's verse 30. Two points out of this to challenge us 
to be righteous today. Verse 30 says this, the fruit of righteousness is a tree of life. No one in the Old Testament, no Jewish person or person that, that honored the Old Testament would not think of something when you say the words, the tree of life. As Pastor Logan likes to say, it's a hyperlink. It's a hyperlink back to the garden where there was a tree of life. The tree of life was something that human beings could eat and live forever. You think about the garden before the fall. What was it like? It was life. Life abundant. There was no strife between the man and woman. That is a miracle. They were naked and not ashamed. Miracle too. Animals didn't kill each other. The ground produced fruit without working it to death or working Adam and Eve to death. The fact is, is that the tree of life has something to do with eternal life. Living righteously, we have to get one relationship right, like I said. To get it right, we have to get it right with Jesus. You see, that tree of life comes back into our lives in the new Jerusalem. When we go to glory, there's a tree of life there to give us eternal life. The only route by which we can have eternal life is through a relationship with Jesus. The only way we can live righteously is by his very righteousness and power. When we get it right with Jesus, the very God himself, Holy Spirit, indwells us, and we are called the temple of the Holy Spirit. Getting it right is getting right with Jesus. Get that right first. Secondly, the verse goes on and says, and whoever captures souls is wise. That's a little hard to understand, especially since that phrase usually means when you capture a soul, you kill somebody, as in battle. This is the only place that's rendered this way. It can't mean that righteousness is a tree of life, so therefore go out and kill people. That's wise. So they render it. Whoever captures souls is wise. And I would just say, get on it. When you capture a soul as a wise person, you bring people to wisdom. You introduce them to lady wisdom. You help them understand the wisdom of the right relationship with God is the only way to be righteous in your personal relationship. You bring people along. By your own righteousness, you are an example to them. And you want to influence. The righteous influence people by their righteousness because they bless 
because they treat people with honesty, because they delight God by their righteousness. And I don't have a third point, but I'd like to steal Pastor Logan's third point, because every pastor should have a third point. You know, it's a three-point outline kind of thing. Number three is repeat. When you don't get it right, which we won't, go back and get it right with Jesus. Because if I offend you, and I'm wrong to you, I've offended God. Because you are made in his image. And I don't care if the person's a homeless person on the road. I don't care if it's that neighbor you dislike. I don't care if it's a rude clerk. That person is made in the image of God. And so you got to get it right with Jesus first. And then get back to it. This Holy Spirit that lives within us will challenge you if you'll let it. Because if you're going to be getting it right and try to do it in your own strength, good luck. But if you're getting it right by saying, yes, Lord, what you say goes. It's going to require two words we don't like. Submission and obedience. And maybe they're the same thing. When the Holy Spirit says, like when you're praying, don't say that. Don't say that. When somebody says something you don't like and you got a nasty quirk, whip, I don't know what a quirk is either. You got a nasty quip, and you hear the Spirit say, don't say that. He's going to say that a lot. You're going to learn in Proverbs what we do with our mouth the best is keep it shut. He's probably going to say, shut your pie hole. <laughs> to me, anyways. Because he speaks to me in my own language. But you know what he's going to do? He's going to say, step into this. Call so-and-so. Bless that person. Tell them they're nice uh, once in a while. <laughs> and once we start blessing, it is a self-repeating process. Because Proverbs are true. When you bless, you get blessed. When you water yourself, you get water. When you are kind to people, you benefit yourself. You can't do it for that because then that's not right. So in a minute, we're going to have an opportunity to hear from Lawrence again. Playing a, a faithful song about God, about his faithfulness. I would like to encourage us to just allow that to flow over you. And if there's some things that God wants to begin working in you, let him. Remember, it's submission and obedience. And when you don't do that, repeat, i.e., get right with Jesus. It's okay. You don't become righteous without failing. But you never become righteous without trying. Will you pray with me? Inspire us, Jesus. Change us. Even now. No one lives righteously. You're the only one. And you did it in replacement so that we 
can have your righteousness because you paid the penalty. Thank you, God, that you treat us with righteousness all the time. Inspire us. Empower us to do the same to those who are made in your image. We give you thanks in advance for what you will be doing even in the next few minutes. We praise the name of Jesus. Teach us, we pray. We pray in the name of the Father, Son.